Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 113 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, before we get into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know about my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. It's ideal for small business owners, including authors, artists and creatives on a budget who understand the value of getting yourself or your vegan brand featured regularly in the media, but can't afford to spend thousands of dollars or pounds a month to hire a publicist or PR firm. With Vegans in the Limelight, you get access to online video training that takes you through every step of how to get media coverage that can help you generate more leads and sales, as well as grow your email list and social media following. So we cover how PR and social media work in tandem, how to research and target the media without spending a cent, how to find the stories in your vegan brand on a regular basis, how to approach journalists the right way with ideas and stories. That's a really important one. How and when to write a media release. How to create an online media room for your website without spending heaps of time or money. How to respond to journalists' call-outs or queries, which is the easiest and quickest way to get media coverage and free publicity content marketing and PR, so how to create your own shareworthy stuff and leverage it to the max, writing and content creation tips for opinion pieces, listicles, features and columns, speaking gigs and PR, so how to leverage events to gain media coverage, and interview tips for print, online, radio and TV. Now, as well as the video training, which you go through at your own pace over 12 months, the program also includes a full 12 months of group coaching, including a monthly live Q&A call. You can also post your questions throughout the year on the learning platform, and you can post your pitches and media releases and get feedback from me before you send them to journalists. So you've basically got me holding your hand, helping you to do your own PR for a full year. It's a great value program. It's way more affordable than similar courses. And it's the only one that's specifically aimed at vegan and plant-based business owners, entrepreneurs, authors, coaches, and creators. Current students have already got media coverage in mainstream and specialist newspapers, magazines, radio and TV shows, as well as blogs and podcasts. So if you'd like to get your vegan brand or yourself featured in the media, but don't have the budget to hire a publicist or PR agency, then I highly recommend you check out this program. You get full and immediate access to the materials as soon as you enroll. You can find out all the details by going to veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the link for the program Vegans in the Limelight. And there's also a link on the show notes page. And if you have any questions about the program, including whether it's right for you, feel free to email me at katrina at veganbusinessmedia.com. Now for the main part of the show. In this episode, I interview Ben Davis, creator of the inaugural plant-based World Conference and Expo, which takes place in New York in 2019. Ben is working on the project with his family's company, JD Events, a boutique trade show management company with a 17-year track record of launching and growing unique concepts into industry-leading events. Ben came up with the idea as a result of his own drastic transition to a plant-based lifestyle from being a huge meat lover and earnest desire to make the world a better place. Coming to the Javits Convention Center in New York City in June of 2019, the event will have three streams bringing together businesses, consumers and healthcare professionals to experience the latest foods, products and services and learn from world-class experts about what plant-based living has to offer. In this interview, Ben discusses 
the benefits to vegan business owners of being involved in or sponsoring trade shows, how exhibitors and sponsors can get the best out of trade shows and how this is different from what you might do at consumer shows, the key mistakes exhibitors make when taking part in trade shows and what to do instead, what goes on behind the scenes to pull a trade show and conference together, including how long the organising takes and what happens at each step, how to go about becoming a speaker at trade expos, what to expect from the Plant-Based World Conference and Expo, and much more. Here's the interview with Ben Davis from the Plant-Based World Conference and Expo. Hello, Ben. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much, Katrina. It's great to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because uh, I think people are going to be not only interested in some of the information you're going to share around trade shows, but also it's very exciting that the first plant-based world conference and expo is taking place in New York in next June, which is uh, 2019 for those people maybe listening in the future. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk to you a little bit. Well, well, first of all, I kick off with the, the question I ask everyone is the reasons behind why people do what they do. And I know your story is a little bit uh, unique in that your family has run uh, an events business specializing in trade shows and you've really come on board um, to push the, the, the plant-based world conference because that's something that you're passionate about. So tell me a bit about your why and why you're doing what you're doing. Absolutely. So uh, you know the, the why as far as the plant-based space goes is really my own personal journey um, over the last few years, really the last couple of years, it's been pretty rapid of transitioning my lifestyle from um, what I like to call an obnoxiously meat-eating uh, diet and lifestyle to the point where I really identified with uh, my meat consumption and, and the kind of person that that made me uh, and really would have um, would have really n- not not believed anybody who said that I would ever be vegetarian or vegan <laughs> probably made fun of them for, for trying to say so. Um, over the course of a couple of years, making the drastic shift to an entirely vegan lifestyle um, and being plant-based for really all the different reasons uh, that people are drawn to this lifestyle. And um, so that's, that's what led me to focus on this space and, and really kind of developing a belief that of all the kind of changes going on in our world today, that this one issue is something that really hits on so many important um, important issues that our that our world is facing, and that by making this one simple shift in in diet, whether it's you know whether you're like me and are able to kind of make a drastic change for in an entire lifestyle sort of way, or even just a, you know a meal a week or 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 something small like that, it makes such a huge a diff- huge difference on on so many different levels. So. So that's really what what drew me to wanting to use my energy to work in in this area. Um, And then kind of mixing that with the event side of things. Um, You know, I really am just a wholehearted believer that that face-to-face interaction and the building of community through through meeting in person and creating a space where people can come together and and make connections that uh, in a world that's becoming increasingly digital, um, that, that there's still so much value to shaking people's hands and giving people hugs and being able to share uh, in-person connections and allowing that to kind of um, spur inspiration and, and connections that, that can create new business and new ideas and, and all sorts of great new things for the world. I love that. There's a couple of things I want to pick up there. First of all, I just I think that's really lovely to hear your journey, especially like you say, you've kind of gone from the other extreme of really identifying with being a meat eater and actually making fun of anyone who said you would be vegetarian, let alone vegan or plant based. So I think that's it's just nice to pause for a moment and say we just don't know when someone is going to make a, a shift. And sometimes it's easy to sort of you know give up on people and think, oh well, uh, you know they'll never. Uh, you know, the world will never move in this direction. But I think, you know, yourself uh, uh, is a really good example of you just never know when someone is going to make that shift. So good on you for making it. And now, of course, to using your skills uh, to put on this fantastic event that's happening in New York, which we'll talk about in in a little bit. But um, let me just ask you then, um, 
with the, the, the plant-based world conference and experts actually being organized by JD events, which you, we were just talking before we came on air is actually your, a family business um, with a lot of experience, 17, 18 years with, with trade show experience. So tell us a little bit, and you've touched on this already a little bit, I, I suppose, about meeting people in person. And I agree with you. I'm doing some speaking gigs at the moment, and it's really lovely just getting in front of people, especially if you've met them online or even if you haven't. Um, tell us about any, are there any other benefits that you can think of about trade expos in particular and why that is important for vegan and plant-based business owners? Well, you know, I think really kind of to double back on what I was saying before, but also, uh, you know, the, the opportunity that, that these businesses have to come to a space where they're going to meet an audience that, um, you know, is, is going to be really unique. Um, and to kind of touch on trade shows in general, you know, I think that the real, the real opportunity there is to connect with an audience in person and, and make those, those have those networking opportunities that, uh, you know, don't really exist in a, in, in the digital world. Um, and then, and then with, with this expo, uh, uniquely, um, we're really giving this movement, the plant-based movement, um, in a, a, a space to call home. And, and that goes for really any trade show, um, that whether it's a, a big industry or a small emerging industry, um, you know, it, it has a space where everyone from all different places of that industry can come together and gather and, and receive education, can share new innovations, can launch new products. It's a platform to, to market, but also to, um, to debut new things, to uh, share new technologies. And uh, it, it gives kind of a home to that industry. And, you know, that's why uh, with where things are with the plant-based industry and movement right now, it's it's really picking up so much steam and and feels and felt you know when we started putting this idea together that it was the time and place for for this movement to have to have its own home and so you know I think that that going back to that idea of community but but creating a home base for an industry to evolve and to kind of catalyze the growth of that industry um, where buyers and sellers and manufacturers and um, you know, people who are just interested in learning more can all come together uh, and and create all sorts of new ideas from from that space. Yeah, great. No, I love it. So let's talk a little bit about how exhibitors and sponsors can get the best out of events like this. Because I know with trade shows, things can be a little bit mixed. You know, often I hear from exhibitors who say, "Oh, look, you know, it's very expensive. Not only have we got to hire the the stall or the booth, I think you call them in the US, and and that can often be quite expensive. But then we've also got to hire staff to come in, and if they're not in the local area, there's travel, there's accommodation, so you know, it can be quite an expensive um, uh, endeavor. So what are some of the, I guess, the tips and tricks that you can advise on how exhibitors can really kind of make the best out of events like this? And what are some of the do's and don'ts? Sure. So, you know, I'd say that one of the the really important things for exhibitors when going into a trade show would be to have um, some goals um, and to really plan ahead. And, you know, it's, it, it's probably really easy to just, you know, there's so much that goes into just getting the booth ready and, and staffing it and all that, like you said, um, that you might just show up with that and be ready and kind of expect to have a great show. And, and then it, you might not necessarily um, get what you thought you were going to get out of it. Um, whereas if you have some concrete goals going in, then there's something to kind of measure against. Um, if you know what, and that could be a variety of things, you know, it could be anything from, I want to meet this many new people, or I want to generate this many new leads, or, um, you know, I want to get a certain amount of feedback on a new product I'm launching, uh, something that when you leave the show, you can, you know, look at your notes and be like, okay, did I accomplish my goal? Yes, then that made it worth it. And I want to come back next year, or maybe I want to do more of these. Um, so I think that's a really simple thing. And then uh, another thing would also be planning ahead for the proper audience that you're going to be seeing, you know, because there's all different kinds of trade shows. And um, depending on the one you're going to, you might be seeing uh, an audience of, uh, you know, buyers from a certain uh, category of product that, you know, if you have multiple products, they might be, you know, uh, when it comes to food shows, is it, um, you know, are you seeing a retail audience? Are you seeing a food service audience? Are there consumers uh, involved? Um, and those all kind of require a different pitch and maybe different staffing, um, maybe a different setup at your booth. And if you're not thinking about that ahead of time, you might end up really not having the right message um, for the audience that would be the most effective. So, 
you know, I think that those... those Could you give an plans- example of that, um, Ben? So what would it be different, say, if you were pitching to consumers versus, uh, say, buyers and uh, people within the industry? How might that be a bit different? Sure. So, you know, I think um, with consumers, you can really almost imagine having your booth set up like a food festival, right? Where you're yeah. uh, sampling all sorts of things and your goal is really just to interact with consumers in a fun way and you might put your um, staff the booth in a way that you just know that you've got your people out there who, who know how to have a good time and and can make consumers smile and, and can whip up as many of your samples as fast as possible and and you're just kind of you're doing that you're just marketing directly to consumers you want to get your brand awareness out there and you want people to enjoy the food and you want them to remember your booth because they had a good time there and met someone that that left a fun impression on them um, yeah Whereas if you're, you know, if it's a retail buyer who's looking to make a wholesale kind of transaction and is having a really more kind of hardline business approach to every booth they're going to, um, you might want to have someone there that's a little higher up in the organization that is able to talk on, you know, all the specifics of how you generally um, make those deals and what you're able to do from a pricing standpoint. Um so that you can actually close a deal in that situation. And it might not be as focused. You might have samples there because you want them to try it, but it might not be as focused on kind of the fun food festival type of atmosphere and more focused on uh, you know creating real business out of it. So that's just kind of one simple distinction that might be helpful. I really like that. I think that is super helpful, actually. I mean, I know just from a consumer perspective, like sometimes if I go to a show and I know if someone's got, you can always tell when someone's got their own staff on there because they kind of really know about the product versus those that sometimes just hire like um, con- conference staff to to sell it and they really don't know the product and I think that makes a huge difference and probably more so as you say uh, from a trade perspective you know you've got to kind of have it's good to have someone there who's the decision maker especially if somebody fairly high up you know or a buyer or, you know from a serious retailer comes to have someone there that can either make a decision or just to build that relationship so I think that's really helpful information so thank you for sharing that um, so what are what would you say then what are some of the key mistakes you see uh, exhibitors or attendees, particularly of trade shows, making. So, besides uh, you know not doing the couple of things that are recommended last, you know, not planning ahead and not staffing mm-hmm. appropriately, I'd say that the uh, the biggest thing, and this is almost just from my experience of walking trade show floors, um, is is not being warm and welcoming. Um, you know, it's such a person to person business, um, and some of the people who might be staffing. The trade show booth might not be coming from uh, a role in the company that that is, um, you know, really being in front of people all the time or customer service oriented, and and that's something that you can pick up on so quickly, you know, when you're walking down the aisle and people are smiling and they're wanting to get you to come to the booth, and you almost feel bad not stopping at that booth because of how friendly the person looks, and then you know you might come to a booth that you were really excited to to go to, and the person there is either sitting on their phone or looking down or not smiling and you're trying to have a conversation to learn more and they don't seem engaged and you know that's I think the biggest thing that will not allow you to get the most out of your event is 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 not being welcoming to those who are coming by and are eager to learn more um, and you almost kind of get this sense once in a while for for certain booths like you know why why is why is this person doing <laughs> the job you know is there might be other roles that would suit this person get someone back here who can who can be just engaging to the customers and and the people who are interested because it's such a great opportunity to make new connections and to tell people about your business and so the worst thing that you can do is just kind of voluntarily miss out on those opportunities. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. I think that's a, probably a good good advice for people to also make sure that their energy is up, particularly towards the end of the day as well. Because sometimes I know, you know, people, if you're behind a store, you can start out, you know, quite energetic. And then, you know, if you, you, you've got to keep that energy up if you're going to be on there all day. So, yeah, I think that makes absolutely perfect sense. Brilliant. So, if, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, and, and to that point, you know, Sometimes when I'm walking a trade show floor, I'll kind of make it my intention to go towards the end because that's when less attendees are there. Like on the, you know, the end, if it's a three-day show, go at the end of the last day because um, there's it's easier to get in front of booths that day um, because there's not as many people walking around. But it's also definitely the time when you can sense that the exhibitors are starting to get ready to go. Um, 
and but it's still interesting you know you'll get the ones who will be really warm and welcoming and joking about it and they'll say oh we're so ready to to kind of get home but thank you so much for stopping by and and still excited to kind of make the most out of it and then you'll get some that are really kind of in that mode of being done with it and and it is really important you it's yeah not, you can still be human and you can still be uh, personable about it and if you are tired you know make a joke about it um as opposed to kind of letting it totally take away your your personality and ability to to meet new people yeah that's such good advice and a good reminder as well that especially someone like yourself saying look you actually deliberately wait till that last time uh you know that last day or the last few hours of the event so i think that's really good for people to hear that uh you know that that people are you know important people are still rocking up and they're taking the time to come and talk to you at your booth and and it, yeah like you say it's really important to make them feel warm and welcome and not start packing up too early as well which I think can be another um, thing you know there's nothing like kind of rocking up and it's a you know people are already packing up and the event's not over yet so uh, no that's really good advice thank you for that um, so we talked a bit about exhibitors now what about sponsoring an event so obviously you know we've talked about you know it, it can be a, a financial outlay to, to be an exhibitor obviously there's extra expense to pay out if you want to be a sponsor so talk a little bit about what are some of the benefits of sponsoring a trade show definitely so you know I think uh, the obvious uh, you know, first, first answer would just be branding and exposure. Um, and, and that kind of leads into all the different types of sponsorship that are available because it can be anything from, uh, it could be anything from putting a banner up with your logo on it, right. In the entrance or, um, you know, over a certain aspect of the conference or the expo. Um, and that's just, just plain and simple, getting your, your name and your logo out there and creating impressions and maybe making people curious to, to learn more. Um, and when, and when you do that, that's a, you know, there's a kind of a clear benefit there that you're just, you're creating more brand awareness. Um, but I think what really makes sponsorship of, of at trade shows unique and, and especially, you know, the, the good ones, um, is that it's, it kind of gives you the ability to offer a unique experience. So, you know, um, I think more and more these days, um, trade shows and events in general are offering more interesting sponsorships than just. Uh, traditional branding and putting your logo up somewhere. Um, they're creating unique experiences that then a company can come in and kind of spearhead and put their name behind, whether it's, um, you know, just kind of off the top of my head here, like a, a contest or a certain uh, um, theater at the event that is going to attract people and have a theme to it or something, um, something, uh, something that we do is kind of similar to like a scavenger hunt where, you have to go to a certain amount of booths at the show and get them to sign off that you visited that booth. And then uh, at the end, if you, if you meet them all, you get entered to win a, a big prize. That's, that's, and the prize is, um, is offered by a certain sponsor. So they're getting exposure and the brands that are exhibiting that take part in that scavenger hunt get, get exposure because people are having to go to their booths to be a part of that. Um, and so that's just one example of like a unique experience that, uh, that you can sponsor. So it's not just, okay, I'm putting my logo up on a banner, but people are interacting with it. They're, they're learning more about what you have to offer while also doing something fun and interesting that they wouldn't otherwise be doing. Right. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, it's, it's really, uh, you know, we spoke about the community that exists at the trade show, and this is an opportunity to tell your story in that community. And especially if you're trying to make a name for yourself and stand out from the crowd in a specific industry, you know, whether it's the plant-based space and you're creating a new uh, plant-based burger or, or any industry where you're creating something new and there's other people doing something similar, um, you know, we're the trade show organizers, we're, we're creating the space, we're marketing it, we're bringing in the audience. So we've created the platform. Um, and, and it's kind of a great opportunity for you to come in and, uh, and, and take advantage of that platform to, to make a name for yourself in, in the specific industry that you're trying to do that. Got it. Oh, that makes sense. So can you give us just a little bit of an idea of what goes on behind the scenes? Now, the reason I'm asking is I know like some people often will leave it to the very last minute to book a booth, for example, or you know they'll want to try and get in as a speaker at the last minute. So can you, get, and I think there's maybe this sense that you know, these kind of events just don't take very long to, to put together. But obviously for these big events, particularly these trade shows, I mean, I know when you very first contacted me, it was almost, you know, almost like a year in advance that you're planning. So can you sort of give us an idea of kind of what goes on behind the scenes and what's involved in putting together a trade show? 
Yeah. So obviously it's a, it's a really, you know, that, that's a, it's a question that could be answered um, in, in a lot of different ways with, you know, cause there, cause there's so much, um, but a couple thoughts that come to mind are one funny thing that gets said a lot um, after a show. Uh, and I've heard this, you know, from a lot of the people that I work with too, who have done so many of these in all different industries. And it almost happens every time, you know, we, the, the whole team is there, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks, just uh, last week we were in Austin, Texas, you know, I'm working on, plant-based show but because we're a small team i went and helped out with the uh healthcare facilities uh symposium and expo that that's been running for a bunch of years down in down in austin and just kind of helped out with the conference uh and whatever needed to be done there and it's like we both the team shows up we we, we, are, we produce the event and people come they have a great time and then they leave and, and every time for the most part someone will kind of come up to a team member and be like oh this was so great um you know what do you do now you take some time off like mm. when when do you start planning the next one is it you know eight months down the road and, and it's like such a laughable question to us because it's like we've been planning the next one since months ago uh, <laughs> our dates for the next year and even years ahead of that we're rebooking exhibitors for the next show because if you rebook before or during the show then you're going to be able to most likely lock in your same pricing, it won't go up and you can be the first to pick your exhibit space and make sure that you're closest to the high traffic areas and not stuck in a corner somewhere. You know, if you pick the last booth, you might be under a overhang somewhere by, you know, the smelly part of the expo center. <laughs> um, not to say that there's a smelly part, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And, uh, you know, so it's, so for us, it's, it's a, it's a year long thing, even for, even though we, there are a few events that the, the, that our company produces each the specific team designated to each event is working on that for, for more than the 12 month cycle. Um, and then, you know, what goes on behind the scenes, I'd really say that it's, it's, a, it's just the thing that I could really say to focus on would be that it's a team effort and there's a lot of different roles to be played. So, um, you know, for a show like the plant-based one, uh, you know, my role is really to kind of be, uh, the visionary and creative side and the um, ambassador to the industry and going out and making connections and networking and um, developing partnerships with key organizations and representing uh, you know, our organization at, at other events and, um, and, and really doing a lot of that kind of work. Whereas, you know, there's, we have someone who's focused on all the logistical side of things and communicating with the venue and, and making, you know, this is, things that most people don't think about because they just experience the event, but the event mm -hmm. wouldn't take place if it wasn't for everything logistically taking place and being, being set um, properly and all the signage being put up and, and um, you know, all the technology operating properly and, you know, things that I, I can't even really speak on because yeah. that's not my role. <laughs> I don't need to know all those details, but there's so much to that. Um, and so, you know, we have someone focused on that and we have, people focused on marketing and understanding, you know, how to uh, communicate with different publications and create barter agreements where we can support them and they can support us and we can get outreach to, you know, be able to actually deliver the attendees that the exhibitors want to see. And then we have full-time yeah. salespeople who are reaching out to the exhibitors so that we can deliver the exhibitors that the attendees want to see, because if any of these pieces are missing, um, you don't have an event. Uh, you know, so, and then also there's other stuff that you really don't think of like emergencies. Like what happens if someone has a medical emergency at the, at the show, you gotta have a, you gotta be ready to tackle that because people, you know, even though we're not doctors, um, people look to show management, they look to find someone in a show management shirt with a, with a name tag. And if something's going on, like I heard a story from a couple of weeks ago and at the Austin show about something that happened last year, like someone tripped going down the escalator oh. with a cup of coffee or something. Oh, um, and you know, that's, it, it doesn't seem like something you'd really plan for, but immediately they go and try to find someone in a, in our shirts for that show are purple. So in a purple shirt, uh, and try to, we're, we need to solve the problem, even though, you know, our, our, you know, our role in that point is to find the right person to help us to give this person help. Yeah. Um, but we have to be planning for, for things like that too. So it's Got really it. just 
the whole yeah. team being attentive to all the details. Excellent, excellent. I think it's given people a nice snapshot that it all just doesn't happen magically and there's a lot of work right. that goes on well behind the scenes. And, you know, if you're going to attend an event like this, book your booth well in advance because that not only helps you as an exhibitor, it also helps to have the conference run uh, more smoothly as well. So let me just talk before we deeper uh, talk a little bit about the plant-based conference in specifically. Um, what about speakers? So this is always, I think, of interest to people. If someone wants to speak at, say, a trade show, how does that work? So do you kind of look out for people and invite them or do you accept, do you in, in accept pitches from people to speak how soon should they pitch um, and what do you look for so tell us a little bit about um, how 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 people can go about getting a speaking slot at a trade show sure and it, this is going to be a really broad answer just because it's, it's so different you know some trade shows are very focused on the expo floor and have little to no education and maybe just a keynote of some sort um, and some and I'll kind of use the event that we did um, the healthcare facilities one just to compare, because that's a very heavy, heavily conference-oriented uh, show, um, where you know it's multiple days with seven different conference tracks, and people are coming for credited education. Um, and so, for something like that, I know uh, that uh, they do a whole call for speakers, and and every year there's a date where um, submissions have to be. Uh, 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 sent in by and then there's a whole process of going through the submissions and reaching out to the ones that they're interested in and then building panels and discussions around that um, and so I don't actually know specifically how far ahead those are and it would be different for every event but some events that are really heavily focused on you know that event has hundreds of speakers um, and so they're gonna be very early in the process starting on receiving applications and, and asking people to submit proposals for something like that um, you know, whereas like the event that I'm working on, um, you know, I've developed a, an advisory council um, of leaders in the industry and, and I'm putting together much fewer sessions than that, especially in year one. Um, you know, the, the conference side of things is definitely a big aspect of it, um, but it's but it's a lot smaller. We're going to have um, a business conference with maybe about 12 sessions over the course of two days uh, and then. Um, a few sessions on the second day when we're opening the doors to the general public that are focused more on issues the public would be interested in. Um, and so, you know, there are definitely, I haven't done a call for speakers and I don't plan to because uh, it's really not necessary for what we're doing at this point. Um, but we have gotten a lot of outreach from people who have just heard about the event and, and want to, you know, are interested in speaking. And everyone who's done that, you know, sent me an email, I've been more than happy to have a phone call with and write them down on my list of potential speakers. And, you know, there's definitely a handful that I'm certainly considering to add to the program. Um, and so, so in that sense, it's kind of a mix of recommendations from the folks on the advisory council who have these connections and really um, know who is capable of talking on certain topics. Uh, and also, you know, my own judgment of people who have reached out to me and and then kind of putting it all together to figure out how we can, um, you know, put put the education together in a way that that makes sense and speaks on the topics that we feel are most relevant to the industry. Yeah, got it. So basically, kind of check out what the requirements are for each trade show. Because I know with some trade shows, they'll often want um, they'll only have speakers if they book to booth, and then there's others that are happy to you know, just have people within the industry speak. So I guess it's a case of, um, yeah, just checking out what the requirements are, but good to hear your perspective on that. So um, so you let's talk a little bit about the Plant-Based uh, World Conference and Expo. So it's being held in New York next June, that's 2019. Now, when I looked at it, it almost seems like you're doing almost like three trade shows in one because you've got the health aspect where health professionals can come along and get their, um, we call them CPD points, uh, continuing education um, yep. points or merits. Um, you've got a business section where people within the, the vegan and plant-based business sector can come along and learn. And then, as you mentioned, you've got the general public. So it's almost like you've got almost three in one. So I'm just curious, um, why did you decide to put on a, a trade show and why did you decide to kind of have those three strands to it? Definitely. Well, um, you know, going back to kind of how we started the conversation as far as just the why a trade show for this industry is, I, I really, when I started looking into this um, back kind of towards the end of last year, I fully expected it to exist already just because of my own personal connection to this um, movement and, and seeing the growth of the industry. And I started looking up vegan trade shows and or plant-based trade shows. And I was just really surprised that there wasn't one um, yet. And so 
I kind of started thinking about why that is and how we're really at this um, turning point in in this industry being taken seriously by the mainstream population and realizing that there are a lot of events out there that are um, kind of more festival and consumer oriented that really speak to the crowd of um, of already converted um, vegan and vegetarian folks. And then there are a lot of professional expos that are focused on food or organic products or um, the restaurant industry that a lot of these companies are exhibiting at and, and plant-based is a growing topic at, but they're not in any way dedicated to the space in a way where the education can be really specific to the unique challenges that these businesses are facing and certainly not a place that this industry can call home. Um, and so the, the gap that I saw there was um, you know, something that can be a home for the industry and be focused on plant-based in a way that um, we can really create an education, uh, an educational experience and a floor that is dedicated to all these businesses. So you don't have your vegan cheese company bumping their booths up against a bacon company, which is literally something that I saw in an event earlier this year. <laughs> um, and so I was able to tell them, you know, come to our show. This won't happen. Uh, <laughs> but but the idea was, um, you know, the, the cross between dedicated to plant-based in a way that the industry could call it home. Um, but also professional and and a place where uh, high-level networking opportunities and real world-class education could take place in a way that would never happen at one of these smaller um, consumer-type festivals. Um, that's that's why you know I felt like this this a trade show was a great idea for that, and, and the feedback we got from the industry in a way was really in line with that. And then then to touch on your question of why three and one kind of goes back to my understanding of this of this movement and why it's so powerful right now um you know there's there's you can't really understand what's happening in the plant-based space leaving out any of you know the the big kind of three reasons why people are drawn to it be it you know human health or or the environment or the kind of factory farming animal welfare type of thing and you also um you know can't leave out these different communities that are involved whether it's the health professionals and the people who are beginning to change the way that patients are treated with nutrition as opposed to, you know, medications that only treat symptoms. Um, the businesses that are out there creating products that are allowing people to make this lifestyle change, um, you know, even if it's just uh, an alternative to, um, you know, a burger or a cheese where it still might not be the healthiest product in the world, but it's allowing them to kind of take steps towards consuming less animal products, it's still so important. Um, and then the the public, which is, you know, the consumer side, which we're um, kind of calling the community because I really felt like in this space, people are trying to consume less. And so I didn't really like calling them consumers. Uh, and so we're calling it the community. Um, and, and that's, you know, such an important piece to it as well. Um, and and giving them a space so that uh, an opportunity to come and, and see all the new products and innovations and also receive education just felt like uh, something that would would be really important at an event like this. And um, it almost touches back on your question about um, mistakes and, and planning that exhibitors can do by giving people the, the understanding up front that they're going to see these different audiences. Um, we give them the opportunity to staff and plan appropriately for that. So they can, you're not going to be surprised that some people from these audiences are going to show up and they can be ready to have all different types of conversations and not miss out on opportunities to connect with, with all it. the different Yeah, nice. Got it. Now, this is, a, as you mentioned, it's a brand new event. And obviously, with the very first event of a kind, it's exciting, but it also can be a bit risky for exhibitors and others involved because it hasn't kind of got that track history. So what can you say to sort of reassure potential exhibitors and sponsors? I mean, I know, obviously, the fact that, you know, it's being organized by a company that is experienced in trade shows. So you've obviously got lots of contacts um, to, to get relevant people there. But um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about uh, why people should take a chance and come to this event yeah so I think it's really important to uh, you know touch on on what you mentioned as far as you know the, the track record of it being produced by JD events which is a company that is not only uh, well versed in, in producing and running trade shows but um, specifically in starting new events and that's something that a lot of the larger trade show producers even don't even do because it's it is uh, you know a risky thing that requires a lot of hands-on attention um, and some of the, the larger trade show producers with bigger teams um, and large portfolios don't have, you know, the wherewithal to 
to focus the the energy needed on on starting something from scratch. And that's something that that JD Events and the small dedicated team here specializes in and has done successfully over the course of the last 17 years or so. Um, but specifically in this industry, uh, I think just looking at some of the numbers um, and and the growth uh, with regards to the businesses in this space, you know, it's so overwhelmingly um, powerful to see what's happening with these products and and whether it's retail stores or restaurants and and what's happening as these products are being placed on shelves and on menus and the percentage of people out there who are uh, cutting meat out of their diet at least at least uh, partially or, or seeking to um, are, are so overwhelming and you know it, it almost you know you look at there are a lot of events out there niche events out there that are uh, that exist and, are, and thrive and, and really support um, a community that that has far less kind of uh, growth and excitement than this industry. And it's just, and that's what made it so exciting for me to start working on this was that there was no doubt in my mind that it's time and place for, for this industry to have um, its own event. And so, you know, a, a big thing that we've been saying to, to businesses that we're looking to get involved is that you, know, you really get to be a part of founding this along with us and being there from, from the ground up and helping to make this event um, not only being a part of something that already exists, but helping create the experience. Um, and you know, a few years down the line, when you know, I'm fully confident that this will be, you know, really thriving and, and growing and getting all sorts of new companies and, and attendees on board. Um, you know, you'll have been there from the ground floor and, and played a role in really making it happen and and creating uh, the whole event experience um, with. Uh, adding your your special touch to that, and so that's kind of a, a unique thing that a lot of the businesses that have already signed on this early, you know, and, and seen the vision for it without really having to see much else, have have really seen um, you know the benefit in that and wanted to support it. Yeah, got it. Approximately, how many people do you expect to or, or you anticipate um, to attend, uh, and particularly in each of the different segments or across the whole board? So obviously, as a first year event, it's it's hard to predict. Um, but the the numbers that we're kind of throwing out there um, are for for the healthcare conference. And the healthcare conference is actually being presented by an organization called the Plantrition Project, um, and they have a successful uh, six years now running. Um, it's a conference. It's not a trade show, but it's out in Southern California, um, focused on on whole food, plant based nutrition, and they bring in all of the you know, the big name doctors and physicians and offer the CE credits there. So they're uh, responsible for putting on the education, the healthcare education at plant-based world. Um, and so we're really excited about that and, and be able to bring that audience to New York City. Um, and so we're, we're, we're feeling like we can probably, uh, we're expecting to pull around a thousand um, people to the healthcare conference and then similarly to the business conference, which will be focused on really uh, speaking to the mainstream food community on what's happening in this space um, and the transition towards uh, more plant-based consumption and, and catering to flexitarian consumers. Um, another uh, probably around a thousand people in year one coming to that. Um, and then the consumer element on community day, which is the second day, which will be open to all three audiences is really kind of the sky's the limit there because it's New York City and we feel like a lot of people will be excited to, to check it out. So so a couple to a few thousand more, um, I think is a pretty reasonable uh, expectation there. And then there'll be people who also come just to the expo floor and don't attend the education. So so the numbers will, will be even higher than that. Got it. Got it. Fantastic. So just to wrap up then, what's the, what's the long-term future for, for, the, well, for yourself and, and for this conference? I'm assuming you're, you're talking about year one, so I'm assuming that you're aiming to build this up to become a, a regular event. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, my uh, way of thinking is, is very big picture. Um, I have to kind of sometimes bring myself back down to earth to focus on uh, you know, the day-to-day -day details of actually what I have to get done to make things happen because my, <laughs> I naturally like to think in very long-term grand scale visions. Um, and so, you know, my, I, I see this industry connecting in so many ways to so many important things such as, um, you know, all different elements of, of wellness and, and whether it's, you know, community driven things like music and meditation and yoga and how this event could kind of connect to different events that focus on those things and, and find ways to incorporate 
just more community building type aspects to an event like this in the future. Um, obviously, in year one, the focus is putting together a great trade show that will serve this industry. And that's, you know, that's, that's a big enough task as it is. Um, you know, but I really see it growing and continuing to grow in New York City, which is such a great market. Uh, to to bring this movement and, and industry to the mainstream audience of businesses and consumers there um, in in future years and being able to you know grow the expo floor and grow the attendance and be able to you know keep up with all of the uh, important topics that are going to continue to pop up that that people need education on um, and and just really continuing to focus on that community how can we build this community welcome more people into this community and make them feel uh, you know, like they're a part of um, the solution in the future, uh, not making people feel threatened because they're, you know, not 100% vegan or not, um, you know, still eat meat once in a while, you know, that, that making people feel kind of honored in whatever incremental steps they're taking towards um, making changes that are healthier for, for themselves in the world. Um, that if we can really grow that community and focus on, you know, what, what connects us, um, then the sky is really the limit as far as what we'll be able to accomplish. And you know, I just want this event and, and my role with this event um, and the connections I continue to make in this space to be able to further that mission. Brilliant. I love that. Well, it all sounds very exciting. Obviously, we'll put links to uh, to the event. So that's been great. And I think you've offered some really helpful tips on yeah why business owners should uh, sponsor, uh, either sponsor or exhibit at trade shows and um, particularly the, the Plant-Based World Conference and Expo. So thank you very much for joining me, Ben. That's been great. Thank you, Katrina. I really had a great time and uh, look forward to continuing to work with you. So that was Ben Davis from the Plant-Based World Conference and Expo. You can find out more at plantbasedworldexpo.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 113. Now for our vegan business news roundup. Almost half of UK vegans made the switch within the past year. That's 2018 if you're listening in the future, according to data and analytics company Global Data. Its recent survey found that as of 2018, 42% of reported UK vegans have followed the diet for less than a year. This compares with only one-fifth of vegetarians, most have been vegetarian for longer. It also found that 51% of UK consumers say their primary motivation behind adopting a vegan diet is for ethical reasons, followed closely by 47% of consumers wanting to lead a healthier lifestyle. Emily Stella, lead analyst at Global Data, said development in high-quality meat substitutes, including the Beyond Burger, which hit UK supermarket Tesco stores recently, has propelled acceptance and uptake of vegan eating. The majority of respondents to Global Data's survey agree that grocers meet their dietary needs, with almost 90% of UK vegetarians and 79% of vegans finding what they want at the supermarket. Now, as with many of these kinds of surveys that aim to track the number of vegans and their habits, it's difficult to know how accurate it really is, but it's certainly fair to say that interest in veganism in the UK has certainly taken off in a big way. And of course, this survey refers predominantly to just one aspect, and that's eating. But it's good to see supermarkets taking it seriously, and this interest in plant-based food products offers opportunities for business owners working in this sector. The Canadian government is investing more than $150 million into the development of plant-based protein as part of its commitment to growing the economy, creating good jobs and keeping the country competitive. The government will invest up to nearly $153 million, matched dollar for dollar by the private sector, in the prairie-based Protein Industries Canada Supercluster, a group of businesses, post-secondary institutions and non-profits working together to make Canada a world leader in the growing market for plant-based proteins. The funding agreement means Protein Industries Canada can move forward with activities to help Canada increase the value of key crops in premium markets and meet the growing demand for plant-based meat alternatives in North America. 
It's projected that this supercluster will create more than 4,500 jobs and add more than $4.5 billion to Canada's economy over 10 years. The Innovation Superclusters Initiative is a centrepiece of the Government of Canada's Innovation and Skills Plan, a multi-year strategy to prepare Canada for the innovative jobs of today and tomorrow. What a smart move by a government. I love this. I've been saying for a while now, both when I do talks and interviews and on this podcast, that governments need to support and subsidize vegan and plant-based businesses to make these the norm and phase out animal exploitation industries. I'm really hoping to see more governments follow Canada's lead. Finally, a startup that creates vegan silk from oranges was showcased at the Future of Fashion conference in Los Angeles recently, reports Veg News. Italian-based Orange Fibre was founded in 2014 by Adriana Santanosito and Enrica Arena with the mission of creating a new way of living, an ethical and sustainable lifestyle, which looks beyond social status and considers the future the future of our planet. The company takes cellulose from hundreds of thousands of tonnes of citrus fruit byproducts that would otherwise end up in landfill and turns them into lightweight materials that can be used in the same way as silk. So this means it can be dyed or printed on, be opaque or shiny, and can be used with other materials such as cotton. I love hearing about these smart, innovative, ethical, animal-friendly and sustainable developments. As I've reported on previously, there are now fabrics made from pineapples, apple peels, mushrooms and many more plant-based materials. And it's great to see these positioned as quality alternatives. The fashion industry, as we all know, it really needs a shake-up. So recently I spotted, I was walking down the street and I spotted a pair of knee-high glitter boots in the window of a shoe store here in Sydney. So of course I went in and I asked the owner if the the boots had any leather in them. And he said, oh yes, uh, the lining is pig. Like as if this was a selling point. Now, as you can probably imagine, I was horrified and I said, oh, I said, that's such a shame. I said, I really like them and I would have, I would have definitely bought a pair if they weren't made of such a cruel material like leather. So that's a little thing I do where I try to plant the seed in retailers' minds to let them know that they lost a sale because of leather or animal products. And this is just a, I don't know, I'm trying in my own small way to help shift the mindset that these products are sought after. And obviously, hopefully, as more and more vegan and sustainable fabrics, such as the one uh, created by Orange Fibre, become more available, they'll start to become the norm. So loving these developments. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more free resources as well as details of how we can work together to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.